Hey everyone, welcome back to the Epilogue Gamescast. My name is Ben Vollmer and I'll be your host this week. With me today is Dakota Trammell, Marcos Carmona, and now Blake Guthrie. We have returned from quite a hiatus. Uh, we, we worked really hard to revamp some of the podcast. Um, included in that is having Blake as a weekly guest, or I guess weekly co-host, not a guest anymore. You used to be a guest, Blake, but um, you're here with us permanently now. Yeah. And just trying to increase the overall production value and the way we we uh, we cover the news. So um, we hopeful we're hopeful that you are able to appreciate some of the changes this week. We will also be moving to a bi-weekly podcast release. So expect episodes to release on Sundays. If you're a Patreon member, you'll probably get a rough edit on Saturdays. And uh, included in all of that, of course, is that we're going to be putting a lot more work into the episodes individually. So we hope that's a productive exchange. And uh, as always, feel free to give us feedback and we'll consider anything moving forward. But thanks for being here, Blake. It's good to see you. Uh, thanks for thanks for making it today, Dakota Marcos. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Good to have you guys back. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to take a second to thank our new Patreon members from uh, over the break, over the last month or so, uh, Dracneos and Water Anew. I hope I'm pronouncing those both correctly, Blake. Did I get that right? I would have gone with Dracneo. Like it's like a almost a French silence there. But yeah. I like that a lot better, actually. Yeah. But for the listener, they, they, if they type in Dracneo with no S on the end, they're not going to find anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we're going we're gonna to break things wide open with the game announcements that happened over the course of the last month. Uh, we're going to be talking about some, some video game trailers. I, I guess let's kick things off with Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is the new Respawn game. And uh, they, so they had been teasing this for a while. They teased it last year at E3, and there was this really weird moment where they like, zoomed in on Vince Sampella's face and he was like, yeah, we're going to announce the new Star Wars game. And like, then they didn't show anything. It was, it was really horribly done. We finally got a trailer. I think this was over the, what, the May the 4th weekend or was it? No, Star Wars week is no, a while right? ago. Yeah. Um, it's weird that those two things don't coincide, but we got a CGI trailer, a lot of CGI uh, of basically a, a this is post Jedi. And we see somebody using the force. He's like a young, youngish, probably what, 18, 20 years old. About. Yeah, he looks a little like uh, the apprentice, but with hair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he, he and he's kind of like running through the city. There's not a whole lot to hold on to. The, they've talked a little bit about the gameplay, borrowing from some things. I think they even mentioned Zelda Wind Waker. Uh, they or, mentioned Souls, too. They mentioned Souls. So not really sure what to hold on to there, but um, they they did not show any gameplay yet. We've been promised that at E3 they will. So I, I think just as of right now, I'm, I'm tentatively excited. Blake, what was the big thing that they talked about it, it, on Twitter? All of the developers? Oh, yeah. What were they, what were they really excited about? Well, I, honestly, the way that they marketed it on Twitter, the reveal was it's it's definitely single player, no microtransactions, no loot boxes, blah blah blah, like all the usual EA nonsense. Right. And um and that was that was the buzz that I saw largely. But I mean, that's from most of the game like devs that I follow. I, I think the general like layman's perspective is just general hype. Yeah, I think I think there's a good mix of that. I I don't know whether to be cynical about it or not. Like. In my opinion, single-player games shouldn't have microtransactions, right? Yeah. Like, that's not something that should be involved in a single-player game. Um, 
But all the same, I could tell that those developers were really freaking happy that they got to announce, like, hey, we have nothing attached to our game. So it's just going to be a single player experience. You're going to get to enjoy it. It's going to be good. We know it's respawn. There, it's it. It'll be there. The content will be there. I don't know, Marcos. Are you excited about this? I don't. I don't take you as a big Star Wars fan, but is it? I'm not much of a Star Wars guy. I'm more of a Star Trek person. I know, booming. But um, I think it looks like there's no gameplay in the trailer, so I can't be really too hyped. But I think the idea of a single player Star Wars game is pretty cool. Yeah, that's the thing that bugged me is I hate this trend of only cinematic trailers. Like, I can't have an opinion on this, really, because they showed me nothing. Well, it sets a tone, right? I mean, yeah. I, I so yeah, what's that tone good for if you don't know what the actual like game's even gonna look be like? A chess game. Good point. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and we don't actually know. I So there's a couple moments in the trailer where the main character is like using the force. So we can expect some of that. There's a lightsaber. Uh, so there will be lightsaber fighting. I think that's the premise of the game, actually, is that is the lightsaber fighting, um, which would definitely make sense if they're, if they're dropping like souls in Zelda. So, I, yeah, not a whole lot for us to, to go off of yet. But they again, they, they promised that it'd be here soon. Um, at E3, so we'll get to know more about this game in a few weeks. Uh, we're gonna let's grade this trailer. So this was this was the trailer that they put out during the Star Wars week. Um, Marcos, if you had to give it a grade, now we can keep in mind here that they don't have gameplay. So uh, how do you feel? How did you feel after watching? Um, we'll say A means okay. I'm I'm definitely playing this game. The trailer sold me, or F. I didn't get anything from this, and it actually pushed me away from being excited about the game. So where do you land on that scale, Marcus? I'm at a C. C? Right in the middle. Okay. Uh, Dakota, what about you? Uh, also at a C, but I'm also not a big Star Wars fan, so... Okay. Blake? I was actually going to give it a D, and then I thought about it, Oof. and I'm actually going to... I'm going to match with them on the C, because you know one thing that was really like awesome about this is that they had a release date attached to it. You know, yeah. Like we, we saw nothing, and all of a sudden, the first trailer release date. That's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. And we're getting it in 2019. So yeah. that's that's a big deal. Uh, okay, I'll say B. I'll say B. And I'm going to say this for a couple of reasons. Um, I think EA actually gets the benefit of having lowered its own expectations. So they they have sort of set the stage for us to expect something that we don't want. And here we are getting a single-player Star Wars game with lightsaber fighting. It's respawn, um, and I, I thought just the tone of the trailer was it was colorful. They established a villain. Um, we have a protagonist, and it, it really it it felt like an almost dystopian Star Wars. And I, I I don't know, just something about that. I, I got me excited. I don't know that it. Um, I'm I'm all the way there yet. Like you're they just always rooting for EA's comeback. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you're Dan. You're Shill. i i am i know i will we'll see i have a feeling when they show off gameplay it'll it'll match the tone of the trailer and in retrospect i think then at that point you guys would be able to say it did its job but we'll see i could be way off if the gameplay looks nothing like what they showed then i there's obviously a problem there and so i might be putting a little to be fair the battle what is it battlefront actually looked you know it looks good it does look good yeah it matches that star wars aesthetic I can't imagine that, you know, this wouldn't look good. Yeah, good point. Maybe it'll look good and it'll play like, you know, horribly. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Very possible. All right. This next one is, I think, more exciting, right? 
this this is a big one. Uh, Final Fantasy VII during the Ooh. state of play yesterday, actually the day before we were recording this. So okay, so walk us through Final Fantasy VII. This is the first first time we've seen the, this game in how long? The start of the state of play. They open with the ding of Final Fantasy VII. Like when you open up the menu, that's what they opened up with the state of play. Wait, I didn't catch that. Really? No, that's like when they opened up the stream for the state of play, it was the ding with a little line. And that's like the Final Fantasy VII ding. And everybody was like, it's today. Finally. Then from there, they went, they opened up with uh, Monster Hunter World. Frozen, it's so. like some spinoff or, or DLC or something, right? It's DLC, yeah. It's new DLC from Monster Hunter World, which is really cool. People are really looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, Final Fantasy VII was the final thing. They just said long-awaited thing, and then we got the trailer, and I was, I almost cried. It was so good. I'm so happy. So this is the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, and we... This is the remake that we haven't seen a trailer since 2015, back at Sony's E3 conference. Man, that is hard to believe that it's been that long. And so the interesting thing about this trailer, uh, which I'll, I'll let Marcos walk through in just a second, but the interesting thing about this trailer is it, it seems to tease a, you know, a large part of the plot. And yet we're, we have confirmation that this is still episodic, right? Yeah, this is definitely episodic because the entire thing that we've seen is the first mission of Final Fantasy VII. Nothing that they showed off in the trailer goes past like the first 30 minutes of the game so and that there was like a lot going on there so there you know i i haven't played final fantasy 7 so it's a long game and uh, i imagine they're gonna do episodic like uh, hopefully episode one will be like just midgar and then episode two will win to become when the game becomes open world and shit so how many episodes are there going to be if you had to guess i mean I would guess three because there are three discs in Final Fantasy VII back in the day for PlayStation 1. I would guess three episodes and they were segmented like episode one will be Midgar, episode two will be um, um, Open World, and then episode three would be the spoilers part, like the ending area, like what happens afterwards. Do you think the whole thing will be $60 and they'll put $20 on each episode? I think... It'll be $60, and then each episode, each sequence, uh, extra episode will be like 20 bucks. Because, like, that, everybody doesn't know how it's going to work, because there are games outside of Final Fantasy VII that are part of the Final Fantasy VII world, like Dirge of Cerberus and Crisis Core. So. Okay. All right, so let's let's give this, a, this trailer a grade. Um, I'll start this time. I know less about Final Fantasy than probably the rest of you. Um, so... The, the f- most engaging thing for me is just how like visually striking it is. Uh, it, it has like a, a bluish overtone. Is that something that exists in Final Fantasy VII, Marcos? Like the, like the uh, you know how every Final Fantasy has a uh, has those symbols like those back arts that are on the title. Yeah, they, they each come with like a color. Like Final Fantasy VI was kind of pinkish. One of my right. favorites. Final Fantasy 15 was black. Final Fantasy 7 was a light blue. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think, again, it was just... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give this one another B. Uh, I don't I don't have the history with Final Fantasy 7 to say, it, did it, you know, how much fan service did it include. But I just thought it looked great. The gameplay looks uh, pretty upbeat, fast-paced. And it, I think something that has always kind of kept me away from Final Fantasy 7 is obviously, like, the turn-based combat. 
Um, this, I, I assume, is borrowing more from Final Fantasy 15, which is a good sign for me. Yeah, it's like a mix between 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3. Right. So, yeah, just everything looked good. I, I feel like I got a lot of story, and it is honestly crazy to me that what you're saying is everything that they showed would be inside of, like, the first episode. Well, <laughs> it no, was like no, it, not just first mission. That's the first mission. Everything that was in that trailer was first mission. And and you said there's how many of those? Oh, I mean, like that. That it's not like there aren't like multiple missions. Like the game doesn't go by my missions. The intro to the game is your first mission as Cloud. Okay. All right. Got it. So all right, I'll stick. I'll stick with a B here. I I think again, this drew me a little closer to being excited about a game that I probably wouldn't normally be. Um, is pumped about as everybody who's played Final Fantasy 7. But it just, it looks big. It looks like they are not relying on this just by, you know, it by its name. Uh, it seems like they're they're pouring a lot of uh, effort into making sure fans are happy. Especially because, I mean, it's, it's not really just a remake. This is, what do you even call this? It's not a remaster. This is an entirely new concept on the same story, right? Like the way that the gameplay is. and They um, call it the remake, but... Yeah. Right. It's it's a lot more. I like re-envision. Yes. Yeah, I think that works best here. Um all right, so Blake, what do you what do you give this one? Easy A. I Easy played a. I played Final Fantasy VII back in the day. Love it. It's uh, probably my second favorite only to 10 um and this looks incredible. I'm getting it. Cool. Dakota, what about you? Uh, I'd have to give it It's hard cuz I'm not familiar with the Final Fantasy series, nor am I a fan, but the trailer looks, you know, looks good, but then I heard it was episodic, and now I'm kind of feeling not so good about it, so I think I still have to go with a C. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Marcus. Oh, easy A, dude. I'd give it S tier if I could. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, do you, Just a quick question. Do you think we'll get more Final Fantasy VII at E3 with Square Enix's press conference? They said more to come in June, and that lines up right for E3. Perfect. All right, so let's do one more. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. This was yes. disappointing for me. I, I've what? been waiting for a new Splinter Cell game. They and said this there's is no not Splinter it. Cell, dude. Like, we're not getting Splinter Cell in a long time. I know. I know. They, this this trailer makes it clear. Um, we are probably not getting Splinter Cell. So inherently, I'm already kind of a little bummed out. Um, this is a follow-up to... their. Actually, no pun intended, wildly successful Ghost Recon Wildlands. And so it's no surprise that we got got a new game so quickly. Uh, this trailer at the very end features John Bernthal, who's the the big antagonist from Walking Dead. He's also Punisher. And th- so the, it's, it's a story trailer, which feels weird to me. It's a story trailer when I don't I don't know much about Wildlands, but I wouldn't say that it was like plot focused. Right, Marcos? Oh, it was plot focused. Yeah, like the one of the big baddies in that they teased in Ghost Recon Breakpoint is a baddie that has been since Future Soldier. Okay, yeah, I guess I I, I don't know much about this franchise at all then. Um, so it, I'll walk you through. Uh, it, essentially, you're starting with like this big buff, almost Gears of War looking guy trekking his way through the through the jungle. He's injured, then he's like climbing mountains. He has a knife in his knee, pulls out the knife, and he's basically talking about how fit he is for survival. It's it's very macho. 
And uh, this whole time, there's this this cool-looking villain. Uh, he ha- has a mask on and a cape, almost like out of Destiny, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Makes makes more sense. Um, but very, like, uh, almost comic booky, And that, that doesn't necessarily fit for me when I'm, I'm thinking about a game, uh, you know, that's so military-focused. So we're following this, this character, and at the end, it, we reveal the, the villain, John Bernthal. And th- this whole time, I feel, Dakota, before we started talking uh, for the podcast, mentioned she, she found it a little cringy. I don't, I don't know what I, I thought, but the whole time they're talking about being a ghost, so like staying hidden, and like the whole thing is this open field action, like they're bombing cars, and they're not hidden at all. There it seems like no stealth component was shown in this trailer. Uh, <laughs> there was Dakota, some stealth. They showed off some stealth. I, okay, I, I don't know. I, you I just know, feel you like know for the entire sequence where he covers himself in mud. Yeah, but that? then he like, immediately jumps into a fight. Like the the whole well, thing. He doesn't immediately jump into a fight. He takes out the first two people with that can actually see him, and then they snipe the other two people that are down there. And then they go to the car and go into a giant firefight. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I feel like if if the tone is let's let's be stealth, let's you know let's be undercover. No one sees us because we're a ghost. All that stuff. Like I don't know. Just. Too much action. Um, Dakota, how did you feel about this one? I, I, I mean, I think you mentioned before, I said it was cringy. I, I still think back to that trailer and it's still pretty cringy. <laughs> I mean, he goes, he says something. He's like, you like standing on a cliff with like three dudes behind him. It's like, you take my brothers from me. And you better expect the same back. And then, like, it pans out to, like, this other dude on another mountain on a cliff with dudes behind him. He's like, I understand that. Because I'm a ghost, too. And then it ends. And it's just I so tacky. Yeah. I love it. Solid D. It's a, it's a it was D? so cringy. Yeah, D. No. All right. Not about it. Uh, Marcos, defend this trailer for us. <laughs> I mean, dude, like... This is for people that like really fucking dumb macho man movie. Like if you like the Expendables and shit, you're gonna like this. But that is that's not a ghost game. No, like, we're it, talking about Ghost Recon, out, dude. Like at this point, I mean, Ghost Recon has gone a little further since like change the name. No, like that's the series. Like that's just how things are now, man. There's still stealth in the games, but now you're a big boy with like big boy guns. Okay. All right. What do you give the trailer, Marcos? Oh, dude. Hey, I'm hyped. I'm going to play this game. (laughs) I'm going to give it a D. Um, I only reason it's not an F for me is because the visuals were just unbelievable. Uh, like whatever engine they used to make this thing. But again, how much of it was in engine, right? Like I don't even think it had that little thing in the corner that it was like in engine footage. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. It, I don't think anything in the game is actually going to look like this, but for a trailer, I mean, like it did an impressive job of flexing its muscles, but like, everything that y'all mentioned and not to, i'm gonna put it this way i don't know anything about ghost recon as a franchise so i was more interested in that franchise before i saw this trailer wow so i'm gonna give this one i'm gonna give it an f i'm just going for it yeah <laughs> I, I, this pushed me away i you know listen maybe it's because i'm looking for that splinter cell game and it feels like this somehow prevented me from well for you just being a little shit <laughs> but <laughs> 
at the end of the day, I, I think if I don't know what this game is about. I literally do not know. I, I came away. If you're going to have a CGI trailer like this, you have to tell me what the game is about. Is it about survival? Is it about recon missions? Like, is it about running from the villain? I don't understand. What is it? You're on a you're on an island controlled by some dude that has this giant corporation that makes a bunch of robotic AI stuff, and you need to take them out. I I don't think they made any effort. It it really felt like they were running from this guy, not maybe, running toward him. Maybe I only know I watched the entire stream, so like I had like an hour to hear about. Okay, this game, so maybe. that's fair. So it it was kind of. Do you remember when uh, Battlefield Five did this with Trevor Noah, and like they had the whole they had the whole show lead up to it, and then yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, so we'll we'll those are those are the three big ones. Um, we'll we'll do this every every episode. We'll pull pull some trailers. Of course, with E three coming up, it may be a little bit more difficult, but we will try and do all of the major announcements um, at E three, and of course, we'll cover e3 uh in our next episode pretty extensively so let's jump into the news um a lot of really interesting stories over the last couple of weeks and uh i think if we'll we'll go ahead and kick off with a a news story from kotaku this is from josh jason uh rivera reporting yeah this is so reporting this is a really interesting story reporting on developers from mortal kombat and the title of this this news story is i'd have those extremely graphic dreams what it's like to work on ultra-violent games like Mortal Kombat 11. And I just, to to contextualize this a little bit before I let Dakota talk about it, I want to pull some quotes from, from the article. This is from the developers themselves. I'd have these extremely graphic dreams, very violent. I kind of just stopped wanting to go to sleep. So I'd just keep myself awake for days at a time to avoid sleeping. Now, these are people who worked on Mortal Kombat 11. Another quote. You'd walk around the office and one guy would be watching hangings on YouTube. Another guy would be looking at pictures of murder victims. Someone else would be watching a victim, uh, watching a video of a cow being slaughtered. The scary part was always the point at which new people on the project got used to it. And I definitely hit that point. So this is kind of a perspective that I don't think many of us ever consider. I, I presume most of us here are okay with violence being in video games. Um, but the, you know, Mortal Kombat specifically is pretty violent. Uh, Dakota, what did you think about all this? Uh, I, I mean, this is super, super interesting because I don't think you ever think about, you know, the actual people that are what the people are going through to make these games. Um, you know, because I mean, it, I don't think uh, most people probably don't work in the industry. So it's just hard to like actually put yourself in the situation. Um but even then, just to, I think, too, it's just the lack of disregard for the animators, visual workers on the game. Um, because, you know, Kotaku even interviewed, like, the, the directors of the games, and they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, we want things to be as realistic as possible, and they're real casual about it. And they say, yeah, we do a lot of testing, like, how liquid will land on carpet and how it'll react on dirt. Very vague with the term liquid. Uh, he's like we do blood yeah blood. yeah it's like we do tests uh a lot of tests oh oops um talking about them like does that look how you think it would look if i get blood on my shirt is it gonna get dark so it needs to react appropriately or our tech you know he's like acknowledging that in a very casual way not fully coming up to like these people are looking up dismemberment 
you know, like dismemberment, people dying, like, which is a hard thing to be constantly surrounding yourself with just to make a product. And even the main person that they're interviewing in this went to a therapist and actually ended up being diagnosed with PTSD after had working on the Mortal Kombat games. Um, I think it's just another like scary look into the industry, uh, especially, you know, with all these things like developers putting in thousands of hours in a week to make a game. And it's like, that's sketchy. Or, you know, these, uh, what are they called? You know, production companies just closing down and people getting laid off in an instant. Instant. It's just real interesting to have another look into this and kind of what developers go through, especially as games become more and more. I think it's mainly a factor of how games are coming more and more ultra-realistic. Yeah, um, so I, I, I kind of wanted to pose this question. I Marcos, I think, is the only one who's played Mortal Kombat 11 amongst us, um, but he's played a lot of it. And... Like, is it even important? Like, who cares about how blood lands on the ground or how it is on a shirt? Like, what what is the point in doing all of that? It feels like that time could be better spent doing something else and creating some other visual interest. I've always been, like, totally in favor of Mortal Kombat being gruesome and, you know, like, ripping heads off and whatever. Like, do whatever you want. But is is that part of it? That that part of it where you have to watch over and over and over again to really get a feeling how for how violence works. Like, is that important? Does it need to be realistic, Marcos, as oh, a player yeah. of Mortal Kombat? <clears throat> Ever since Mortal Kombat Nine, because old back in the day, Mortal Kombat's like fatalities and brutalities, they all used to be cartoony. It all used to be very comedic. And now since the whole like the move forward in games have been realism and all that stuff. It's just gotten more and more grotesque and realistic, I guess, with their fatalities. And to the point where MK11, if you see some of their fatalities, they're just dumb or disgusting. So do you think it has made the game better? No, I don't think it's made the game better. Making the game, it's a fighting game. Making the game better would be making the gameplay better, not making the cinematics worse. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, really interesting story. Uh, I, You know, Dakota, I think... You you bring up a really good point. It's like we talk about all of these other things going on in the industry right now, uh, including like the walkouts at Riot. Um, so like yeah. the, over the sexual harassment stuff. And it's like we're starting to really see this industry is, man. Taking a toll on, you know, depending on, and it doesn't even have to be just Mortal Kombat games. Like, you know, that's just an example. You don't know what other people are doing in other games. Say for, what are we just, that breakpoint? Yeah, is that what it was called? Uh, Tom Clancy. Like, imagine what developers are like putting themselves through to make sure that things are ultra realistic for them. And I don't even think it's just that's what it is now. Is directors and people producing the games want everything to be as realistic as possible, especially when it comes to mainstream games. And I think that's where the main problem lies versus it being just like, you know, they wouldn't have to put themselves through looking up extremely questionable and graphic things if it wasn't if it didn't have to be extremely extremely like over the like as if you're in the game yourself yeah and it it's just odd to me it's like we say realistic but how often do people encounter these things in real life like really it's realistic is is so different i think it has taken on this whole new meaning of like okay well like what would it be like to experience this how many people actually are wondering 
what it would be like. You know, they they mentioned uh, the exact quote: watching a video of a cow being slaughtered. Like, who? What does that? Why do I need that? Why does anybody need that? I think we really need to question. Uh, just like you said, Dakota. What in terms of realism? How much do I care if it, Marco says, you know, like that the Mortal Kombat series was cartoony, almost comedic? Like, what? Why? Why do I want it to be realistic? <laughs> why is that something that I seek? Um, so something really to to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, I I actually I really recommend Rivera did a, an excellent job with this article. Um, I, I recommend go going to read that. Um, hopefully we can we can put this under the podcast. We'll we'll link some of it. I think just one last close. I think the most insane part is like the people producing this game, and obviously not the people going through and making it. They are very casual about it, like concerningly so. Where it's just like, yeah, it you know that's that's what you got to go through. Right. Can I uh, cap this off with a footnote? Um, yeah. Okay. So if, first thing, I just want to make a joke. I imagine that these people are just watching PETA videos the whole time. Um, but <laughs> number two, um, it's worth mentioning since Dakota brought up crunch culture uh, in the industry, uh, NetherRealm Studios, who developed this game, uh, actually has been like pretty much all week long, not just this Wednesday with this article that we're talking about, but like the whole company is being accused of all sorts of terrible, toxic working conditions. So that's worth acknowledging. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. an allegation that somebody died during a uh, development of MK9 or X, one of those two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so something to keep an eye on moving forward. I think we, I, I speak for the entire panel here when I say that we want the people who make our games to be happy while they make their games. Um, I, I I would enjoy a slightly less good game uh, if if it meant that the developers making it were happier. So please... If you're if you're a publisher, uh, keep that in mind uh, moving forward, and I think we'll see more more of that. We'll, I don't we'll need to see, see a man getting dismembered in 4K. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I just don't. I don't need it. I don't. In fact, I don't want it. I don't. I don't want it. But what um, about it, 8K when the PS5 comes? Out? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that, Blake. We'll get to that. Um, so I just want to briefly mention this. This happened a little while ago, but I, I feel like we should touch on it. Uh, so not the Minecraft, the, the original creator of Minecraft um, was excluded from the anniversary edition uh, and the newest update, 1.14, due to comments and opinions. So Notch has not been working on Minecraft since I think 1.7 or 1.8. It's been a couple of years now uh, where Notch hasn't been super involved in the project, but he's always been in, in the game still. They've had references to Notch during loading screens. Um, and various other points, those have all been pulled. And Notch has, you, you would not even know at this point um, that, that Notch was involved in this game if you were just playing it yourself. So when people reached out to see why they were doing this, uh, Mo Yang, who develops Minecraft and Microsoft, mentioned that uh, it was due to comments and opinions that Notch made. And I, I did a little research into this um, without, without going super in-depth. Uh, Notch says some some really really awful things that I don't even think that was the most publicized. So a couple of the more publicized things he did were uh, on Twitter he pined for a heterosexual Pride Day and also made a comment and then went to lengths to defend it that it's okay to be white. And it's like, well, yes, Notch, of course it's okay to be white, and <laughs> but then it slowly unraveled from there 
at, to the point where you know Notch was saying that uh, white white people are are being oppressed currently, and and lots of controversial opinions that I guess Microsoft just didn't want to tolerate. So um, I don't. Do you guys have any feelings here? Do you feel like Microsoft owes Notch? The, the sort of accreditation that he had been given inside of the game, or do you feel comfortable with with this being pulled, Dakota? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel okay about this, but maybe it's not a good idea for people who were involved in the creation process to be pulled later just because of a, some opinions. Nah, com- good on Microsoft for... Because uh, I feel like even if, you know... Because, I mean, he's not just always going to be associated with Minecraft. Like, always. Uh, just because he was the one that initially made it. Just because he's not currently associated with it or doesn't have a stupid little reference in the loading screen to his name um, doesn't, I think, you know, not entitle, you know, give that any kind of respect, I guess that's the word, to him. I think it's completely good on Microsoft because I feel like keeping it in there is, to some degree, you know, it's like as he's doing this stupid, you know, as he's being notch. Uh, I feel like keeping his name in there is somehow, you know, like still paying him some kind of current respect, even as he's doing some very controversial political garbage. Right. Yeah. Uh, anybody have a problem with this on the panel? Uh, heck em. Um, I'm not going to say I have a problem with it, but I here's the thing. Like the dude sold off the game, right? Presumably. So, yeah. So. After he sells it, who cares? Like the co- company who owns it can do whatever they want with the product. So um, I don't worry about that. But I, I do, I, I've kind of glanced through his Twitter history just to see some of these more controversial things. I don't think the guy's a bad guy. I just think he's fallen down like the kind of anti SJW rabbit hole. And, um, you know, it's on the internet. That can lead to, to being a bad person, though. Sure. I'm just yeah. saying, I, I don't, I don't think he's this like fundamentally awful person like he's like a bad human being i just think he's got some bad opinions okay heck him heck him as marco says heck him uh, heck him um so okay just a little callback to our our sex video games episode yeah. um marcos you want to talk about this mass effect inspired porn game being now i think one of the biggest gaming kickstarters of all time this is so pc gamer did a little reporting on this uh, I love this line that they used. They said, it's Mass Effect meets Mass Erect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the entire article is a treat that everybody should read because it's hilarious. But uh, yeah, um, FOW Interactive, who are known for having very, very good, um, I don't even know what kind of porn you'd call it. It's like parody porn, I guess, of all your favorite video game characters. Go to Newgrounds if you want it. But yeah, they're it's like really anim- big, they're like animations, big, right? Like of, yeah, of popular big, video game characters. They're hentai, basically. They're really big hentai name. Okay. And they said, you know what? We really want to make a game where it's all about sex, but it's also Mass Effect. It's they called it an RPG slash smup or shmup. I don't know how you can pronounce that genre, but that's what they're going R- for. RPG sh- what now? Schmuck? Shmup. Like shoot 'em up. Oh, shoot 'em up. Got it. Right? Got it. Got it. Shmup. Call it shmup in the article, so I wasn't entirely sure what the hell a shmup was. <laughs> that would make I sense. I thought that shoot was like, yeah, yeah shoot 'em up makes sense. I thought it was like a like a sex reference. So that was it, it, it. It's weird because it almost sounds like I, I don't know, like schluck schmuck. It, like I, I almost it's like shoot 'em up mixed with sex somehow. Like I, I can my brain gets there. 
they're uh, they're talking about ma- like there's gonna be story, there's gonna be like combat, it's gonna have the whole nine yards, but it's main focus is the sex and I think there's a quote, yeah, world renowned art director and Squid Girl titty enthusiast Sun <laughs> Bung Din. So like, this is a big name that like they got the projects. <laughs> Big name, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm. I said this. I said this during the sex games episode. I'm on board here. I think. Well, <laughs> listen. I, assuming that everything is like you know, carefully considered, I I think that having sex video games as an option. I'm not even necessarily saying I'm I'm on board. Like, oh, I'm excited about these types of games because assuredly they'll still be bad. Like they'll be bad video games probably. But I really think there's a market here. I think this is going to take off. Like <laughs> the Kickstarter is already pretty big. Uh, How much? Kickstarter, two million dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's I a lot of money. The, the article says that only like eleven other games have ever went above it, and those games are like Shenmue Three. Yeah, Psychonauts Two. Yeah, Divinity like Original Sin, Star Citizen. Like there are only a few games that have topped what this uh, would. What is it? Subverse is the name of the game. What's Subverse? Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even name it. Subverse. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. It's it's assuredly still a few years down the road, but uh, I don't know. Okay, so just a hypothetical question to Blake: This game comes out on PS Five or whatever, uh, oh and God. the gameplay looks pretty good. Four K titty. Four K titties. Do you feel like this is something that you would buy at a Best Buy? Dude, all right. I already pledged ten pounds to the uh, to the Kickstarter. Ten pounds? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Where yeah, are you basically. from? What? No, the, whatever the U.S. dollar equivalent is, you get early okay. access to the <laughs> digital copy in June. So absolutely, you already did it. That's yeah. about fifteen. That's like, yeah. that's not even just a small amount. That's a pretty considerable. That's like fifteen bucks for. Yeah, for but this. that's still like a that's a that's a decent amount. It's not like you know, here's a buck. Like okay, the, but the question again, Dakota, are you are you walking into a Best Buy and and picking this game up? Honestly, all I can think about is what the poor developers must be going through, having to look up all the porn <laughs> <laughs> to make this game. Oh my goodness, those oh. poor developers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. So good story. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, so this is this is a big one. If if you don't take that last story as being meaningful, this this one probably is. Uh, Kotaku and Jason Trier did a little reporting on this over at Kotaku. A a senator, uh, I think Josh Hawley, a a Republican from Montana, introduced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions. Uh, Blake, tell people what to think here. I think, what is the overarching feeling, and then how do you feel about about this? Oh, this is such a conflicting thing, because part of me is celebrating, and part of me is feeling dread in the pit of my stomach, and I can explain why. Um, yeah, explain both. I, okay, so I am just fundamentally suspicious of governments regulating art forms, especially video games, and because as soon as they regulate one thing, that feels like such an easy open door to the next thing that they regulate, which might not be something that I approve of, like these loot boxes. Um, and so like, if I, if I then externalize this, this to like this, what is acceptable question to government officials who I already am deeply suspicious of, then it's just, I I don't trust that. Like, especially when legislating is written to protect children, I'm, I'm way more suspicious when that's the motivation or justification for something. There's always some like deeper consequence that affects everybody, not just the children. 
and uh, makes the problem worse across the board. So um, the main thing that comes to mind why I think that is like with internet censorship bills, like every time there's been a censorship bill for the internet put in Congress, like it's always got these weird, dark things that you don't want to have happen. And one of the main justifications is children. So I don't know. But at the same time, fuck loot boxes. Fuck pay to win <laughs> microtransactions. Some people say it's gambling for children. It is. Some people say it incentivizes like the wrong kind of behavior, both from gamers and from developers. It does. I just hate the relationship between microtransactions and games probably more than most people. I just don't know how to reconcile this deep need to prevent games from monetizing children in these predatory ways and the need to prevent governments from like artificially limiting and censoring games as a medium. So. Yeah, all, all well put. Uh, one thing I'll add, um, coming from a little bit of a background in law, is that this will set some kind of precedent if if it passes. Um, it, people will be able to look back on this bill and say, "Well, we did it then." Um, so, you know, talking about slippery slope, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love looking at it that way, but there, it does in terms of law set precedent. Yeah. One final footnote here. Uh, about two years ago, um, Chris Lee, a Democrat from Hawaii, also um, made a proposal to ban loot boxes specifically in Hawaii. And um, so this is like an actually bipartisan issue. It is likely that this might gain traction. Yes. Yeah, it probably will. Um, which I think I think momentarily we can celebrate. I don't think anybody will begrudge anyone who's looking at this and saying, yes, finally, somebody is is listening to us. I think this would put an end to a lot of predatory practices. In terms of game development, just keep an eye on it because uh, in the future, this might mean something like kids not being able to play Fortnite, um, you know, which is obviously something that was brought up over in Europe uh, just recently. We, we don't want that. Uh, I think I speak for most people here um, when we say limiting what what kids have access to. We've talked a lot about video games as like a third place. Don't we don't want that taken away. So instead of listing off our patrons uh, one by one, this this month we're going to be taking a Patreon member of the week. Uh, no, sorry, month. Patreon member of the month. Uh, so this month's Patreon member is How's My Audio, a platinum tier member. Uh, How's My Audio is also a, a streamer um, who you guys should check out. He's currently playing through Dark Souls and the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, and we'll uh, get to that in just a second. But first, we asked all of our Patreon members uh, some questions, including what their favorite game of all time was, their favorite genre, their least favorite game of all time. So let's go through that. Uh, Audio's favorite game is Star Ocean, Till the End of Time. His favorite genre is the JRPG, so uh, Japanese role-playing games. Least favorite game of all time, Five Nights at Freddy's. I felt like this was a good one. That's a good least favorite game of all time. I agree. Why is it good? I don't know. It's just like, listen, I understand why people like it, but I also really get why people hate it. There's a lot of things to hate about that franchise. You know what's always been weird to me is just how it is basically... It, it, it's a horror game. It started as a horror game. I don't, horror games generally are advertised. I mean, it's still horror. Horror. Uh, but... It was, you know, they don't advertise horror games to children, but it's just weird how it's basically become a children's thing, <laughs> especially when the like it's similar to Freddy Krueger. So when that was like in its peak in the '80s, it became a children's sensation, which is questionable and really weird because Five Nights at Freddy's like 
main, like, scary villain and why everything happened is basically a child predator. Same thing for Freddy Krueger. Like, Freddy Krueger's an actual child predator. So it's just weird how... What we're like, telling Audio is he made a really good choice here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's just weird to me how it's gotten so much, you know... It, yeah, how did it get saw, from point A to point B? It's interesting stuff. They saw, like, children's blankets and toys and costumes for kids. I have an answer for that question. Point A to point B, YouTube Let's Play. Yeah. That's how it happens. People like PewDiePie. I mean, that's how I know about it. I, I've watched Markiplier play through it. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason I could get into it. Lead, so this is his his uh, least favorite genre, is the MMORPG. I, that seems really close. I, I, I hate to be like, I don't know, that feels close to me to like JRPGs. Like the gameplay is similar. The way they go about them is different, but the gameplay tends to be pretty similar in MMORPGs, right? Yeah, if you like go between like Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy XV, they're both those two genres and they're very similar outside of like just multiplayer. I mean, I think there can be overlap, but I think there's a vast gulf between MMO in an isolated chamber and RPG in an isolated chamber. Favorite color? The yellow. Good favorite color. I like this one. Um, it's close to mine, which is orange. Favorite movie? Jurassic Park. Excellent choice. Uh, favorite food? Cheese. Marcos, how do you feel about that one? I think he needs to, you know, not eat just cheese. Like, what kind of favorite food is that? Like, it doesn't say he just eats cheese. <laughs> Just because like, you're oh, lactose intolerant doesn't mean our Patreon members have to be. Like, what is that? Like, no. <laughs> uh, game he's looking forward to the most is Link's Awakening Remastered. And uh, Audio says, go follow him on twitch.tv slash howsmyaudio. That's H-O-W-S-M-Y-A-U-D-I-O. Go subscribe for the best facial reactions and epic fails. I've been there for our, some of Audio's streams, and there are a lot of epic fails and good facial reactions, too. He's right. That, if that's how to, he describes his stream, I think he does a good job. Not to mention he totally pulled us through the Epilogue Gaming 48-hour stream. That's right. He was a part of it, and he uh, did a lot of excellent stuff. He has some clips up on his stream if you guys want to go check those out. MVP. MVP. So this uh, let's let's talk a little trivia. We didn't even though we've redone the podcast, we haven't forgot about our, our trivia segments. Um, I, I forgot to ask our Patreon members for trivia stuff this week. So instead, I uh, I developed my own question. So the new way that this is going to work is you three will take a stab at the correct answer. If none of you get it right, then I get a point. So that's how it's going to work. Marcos won both season one and two. So he is the reigning champion. If this is season trophy, no, you're going to get the trophy. You're going to get the trophy. I think I I think we can go ahead and develop it now. We'll send it your way. That way you can show it off on on Twitter and everybody knows that you're the the games cast Twitter cha- or uh, trivia champion. Okay, so this week's question. With E3 right around the corner, let's see if you guys can guess how many E3s there have been previous to this year. Marcos, I'm going to ask you first. Is it A, 13? Is it B, 16? Is it C, 18? Is it D, 21? Or is it E, 24? Okay, what was the first one? 13. 13? Yeah, let's go with 13. Okay. Dakota, what about you? Uh, And it's basically how many that we've had, right? Yes. How many previous to this year? I'll go with 23. So, uh, wait. One of, the, one of the answers was 21. One of the answers was 24. Oh. I thought you said 23. I'll go with 19. 
Where, wait, where are the options? I'll, you know, I'll do 21. I'll do 21. 21, okay. All right. Blake. I'll do less. I'll go with 16 here. I'm going to earn a point here. The, the 24th. We're about to enter the 25th E3. Yep. I believe since 1995. 1994. Yeah. Crazy, right? So it used to be different. Obviously, it used to be like they didn't have the whole presentation, but it, there was still a conference. People still went. Developers presented at it. It just not everybody saw it. It wasn't visible to the public. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, interesting stuff. 24. I couldn't believe my own eyes when I saw that. Of course, yeah, next next uh, podcast episode, we are going to deep dive into our E3 predictions and all of that. So we'll get that. Um, yeah, we're, we'll be good to go. Even without Sony, everybody else is presenting, I think. Everybody else. We've got Squeenix. We've got Digital Revolver. We've got Microsoft. We've got Nintendo. Ubisoft, yeah. EA is going to be there. Well, EA is going to be presenting stuff at E3. Um, no we'll press conference, but probably in like video form. So basically what everybody but Microsoft does now. Oh, Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda does it. Bethesda has their own press conference too. So, so one thing that we learned is probably why Sony is not at E3. And that's because they're heavy in development on the next PlayStation, which they have not called PlayStation 5 yet. Uh, Wired released an article, so I, I just want to make sure I get all the details right here, because this is kind of an odd release. Peter Rubin uh, was was the journalist who covered this, and he got to sit down with Mark Cerny, who is the lead system architect. I believe he was also the system architect behind the PS4 and the PS Vita. I, I might be wrong there, but I think it, this guy has a, a has a pretty good history with Sony um, in terms of just like architecture and design. So... First of all, I think the weirdest thing here is why did Sony do it this way? I, I we'll we'll dive into that a little bit, but why? If you're Sony, you have the new PlayStation, you're ready to reveal it. There's no visual here; it's just an article. I, I hate saying that as a writer, but it's just an article. There's nothing for people to visualize. They just gave it to Wired. It wasn't like, hey, journalists, here's the story, spread it. It's Wired got this exclusive. How does that happen, Blake? Like, what what process needed to occur for Sony to think this was the best idea? Well, it, the only kind of takeaway that I could pull to answer that question is the fact that the um, the journalist at some point mentions while playtesting this, I think it was Spider-Man um, talking about the load times and whatnot. While they were playtesting it, there was no definitive casing for this, so they still haven't even figured out how it looks. They just have put together, like the so to speak, the computer parts of it. Um, but that's not a very sophisticated answer. I, I, that's the best I could probably do. But even then, it's like, okay, why not give it to Kotaku? Like, <laughs> Wired, right? Like, the, I don't know. It feels like a big scoop for Wired. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I, that is kind of out of left field, I suppose. But isn't yeah. Wired more technology culture? That sort they of... Are. Yeah, yeah. Like, no doubt. I just, I don't know. Still feels odd to me. The first person to get it. They want an isolated, positive response to have the news go through. They don't want somebody that's very like skeptical about the whole process of it being created. I think that's a good answer, but like, would IGN have been skeptical? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. Is IGN uh, ever skeptical? <laughs> um, okay, so I just thought that was really interesting. So let's get into some of the details. Uh, Cerny says that this is no mere upgrade. So that sounds like a lot on the surface. It's like, well, okay, 
So was the PS3 to the PS4 not a mere upgrade? Is that like, that's what you're saying, right? Is that the PS4 was a mere upgrade? So this isn't just a mere upgrade. This is something bigger than that. Um, still, they kind of back up their promises. Uh, Cerny talks about adding. So the, the main question that they wanted to tackle was, does the new console add a layer that you couldn't experience before? And you know what? That really spoke to me. Because if I'm buying a new console, what is this thing doing that my old one couldn't outside of making things look a little nicer? Um, so I think that that's an important point, right? Like what can this thing do? Uh, I think that's, that's an important question. When we went from the N64 uh, to the GameCube, like what, what could the GameCube do that my N64 couldn't? And Nintendo tackled that in a lot of ways, including like controller design and uh, you know, the system architecture, there was a lot of things the GameCube could, was capable of that the N64 just wasn't. So glad that that's the, the process in which uh, they went through for not the PlayStation 5. Again, it's, uh, there's, they're calling it the next-gen PlayStation. It's going to be the We'll get to that in a second. Um, so, hey, they haven't decided on a name yet. They have not decided. It, it, you know what? It could be a lot of things. We know it's still in development. Yeah, we, we'll see. Um, so they, they talked about fundamental changes to what a game could be. I don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean when you say they're fundamental changes to what a game could be? Like, I, I don't know. Um, still interesting stuff. Of course, not officially the PS5. Let's talk about just some of the, the, the bigger details covered here. Um, I'll do my best to be specific. I, I don't know that we are the best people to, to answer these questions. But I, I do know a little bit about the architecture they're talking about here. So they have... Uh, Zen 2 Microarchitecture AMD, which is the, uh, the newest line of AMD's CPUs. So um, obviously, this seems pretty CPU heavy to me. Uh, most of the time, consoles uh, are tend not to be super CPU heavy. This seems like they really stepped up their game in terms of CPU. So what the CPU does is think about like um, the main things that it'll affect are like physics, how many... Uh, NPCs or how many different things can be on the screen at once. So like a low CPU might only be able to render one tree waving in the wind, but a, a top tier CPU probably much more capable of several trees <laughs> in the wind. Um, that has a custom GPU variant, which is pretty common with consoles. As far as I know, they never just stick a, a, a normal GPU in. Uh, this is Radeon's Navi uh, tech, so I, that doesn't say a whole lot other than that it includes ray tracing. Which do you guys know about, Marcus? Like, do you know about ray tracing? Dude, I don't know half the things you're saying. Okay, so well, I I want to ask this question, Blake. Do you know what ray tracing? Yeah, so it's like the ability of, um, like, uh, let's take light as an example to be like dynamic and kind of actually react in the environment in the way that it would in real life. Right. Yeah. So the reason I'm asking this is because it's turned into kind of a buzz term. Like they're starting to use it a lot. Ray tracing. Like that that seems like the next big thing. My favorite thing about this whole announcement, uh, I, I know a lot of people's will be the loading times, which we'll get to in a second. My favorite thing about this is that ray tracing is going to actually be included in the audio. So it'll allow them to do things like have the, the sound bounce off of out, off of walls uh, just as Blake said, similar to the way that light reacts to things, we now have sound reacting more realistically. This includes a chip that will allow for 3D audio on 2D headphones. So right now I'm listening on like my earbuds. Um, I would be able to have three a three-dimensional audio experience on these. Um, that feels pretty cool to me, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Dakota, how do you feel about? Oh, go go ahead, Blake. Sorry, you just mentioned um, we were still questioning what the fundamental changes to what a game could be. Like this is for at least PlayStation. That's certainly that sort of fundamental change. If there's a new potential for an audio experience like that. Agreed. Yeah, that's that is a fundamental change to me. Um, the only time I've ever had 3D audio is when I've used the PSVR and I've played those games through it. And is it like does that enhance the experience for you? Oh, when you're playing Resident Evil Seven, hell yeah. Yeah, Dakota, what do you think? Uh, it's hard for me to say because I don't have like any like I haven't experienced 3D audio, so okay. Right. Like, I mean, I understand, like, the basic concept, but I mean, if I haven't heard it, it's hard to... So I think they exist, like, three-dimensional audio sort of exists in, in theaters, right? Like, so a movie theater. So uh, just to sort of provide a visual, um, like, if something is happening on, like, the left side, like, the, the movie theater will play it, it toward your left ear. And then if something happens on the right side... Not, like, not all right theaters ear, right? do that. It's only, like, very... Okay. Usually you have to go to theaters with digitally like they'll they'll say if they have a Adobe surround sound enhanced audio. Usually I don't pay that extra couple bucks uh, for like the higher end ticket, but so I mean I can okay, I I mean that makes more sense. I'm not a very audio receptive person. Sure. I <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. Things all just kind of sound the same to me. Okay, so not a big deal to you then. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's move on to the next thing because I think this will be a big deal for you, Dakota, and probably everybody. Uh, the sort of the main talking point here was that Cerny showed off a copy of Spider-Man on PlayStation Four. He selected a uh, a place to fast travel to on the map. And he waited. He had like a little conversation with the author. It seemed like they really played this part up. And uh, 15 seconds later, Spider-Man loads in. So that that's the experience you get on a uh, on a PlayStation 4. And then they showed off the new PlayStation, which does the same exact thing, except the loading time was, and they counted it, 0.8 seconds. <laughs> so 0.8 seconds. That's a 14 second, 14.2 second drop off, uh, according to Wired, between spider-man load times so that that is a playstation 4 game blake how impressive is this uh or is it not as impressive as they made it seem oh that absolutely blows my mind because i've played spider-man and i'm familiar with those times um as well as spider-man runs on the ps4 if it runs that well that i really am impressed but 0.8 0.8 seconds. Did they really count 0.8? Why not just say less than one? Because uh, it's cooler to say 0.8 seconds. Yeah, I'm not a tech nerd, but still, 0.8. <laughs> okay. Marcos, what do you think? Is this a big deal? Yeah, this is cool, man. Like, my game, I can play my games faster. I won't have to wait. There's not, there's much less downtime in from gameplay. Dakota, what do you think? Now, now, now you've got me, because <laughs> you know what kills me is Skyrim's load screen times. They're freaking long as heck. And so, I mean, if I can play Skyrim instead of waiting, like, a minute for my game to load... We're getting another Skyrim remaster, <laughs> aren't we? It, it's not Elder Scrolls 6. It's just Elder Scrolls 5 with less bugs. No, I, I, well, I mean, there's something to be said. But I, I think they somewhere in the article, they also promised that this works. So, like, 
because oh i didn't even mention this backwards compatibility it has backwards compatibility with playstation 4 um i don't know that the rest of it has been confirmed but playstation 4 is there so this is a copy of spider-man ps4 the ps4 version so technically i think the insinuation here is that you could plug in skyrim and then the loading times would be naturally faster between the playstation 5 or whatever and the playstation 4 so wouldn't even need a remaster it just is faster because that's how it, the uh, how quick the SSD that they're using is. So I don't know that that seems cool. I'm I'm gonna temper expectations here. Um, I was just playing Ocarina of Time the other day. Blake and I were having this conversation. Um, I was playing Ocarina of Time. I loaded it up and it took all of about one second for me to load in, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's really impressive." That is like Ocarina of Time was a pretty big game on the N64. Um, it's certainly not like the N64 would would look even close to the kind of architecture that exists right now. But one second, right? So I thought to myself, okay, that's really interesting. But So what they showed was a PS4 game on the PlayStation 5. Now, will the load times of a PlayStation 5 game look like that on a PlayStation 5? That they did not answer. They didn't answer that yeah. question. So that's the big deal. I don't think there's a big expectation for that to be the case, though, because presumably if you're upgrading every aspect about the PlayStation system to in, you know, the upgrade to the five, then you're going to have bigger, more ambitious games than we've ever seen. Right. But then the loading times aren't a big deal because it's just going to be the same thing. It, so basically it's like, well, yeah, that's the case with Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. Like I could have never played Spider-Man on the PS3, right? Like I, that's not an experience we would have ever had, but the load times were 15 seconds, even though assuredly the drive was faster from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 3. So I guess what I'm saying is that like, yeah, it's impressive that we have that 15 seconds to one second. I don't know that the expectation should be that when they make new games that we're going to have like no loading times, which is kind of what they're insinuating. I think that's a lot to promise. Maybe they'll do it. You don't know. And I don't know. Show me though. That's the that I think that's the problem. Like they don't want to show a PS5 game out yet, though. Okay, I get that. And I think Peter Rubin did a great job. But the one thing that I'm not so sure this this article really conveyed is that like, why am I supposed to be excited about a PlayStation 4 game? Uh, like, what what is how am I how does that fundamentally change the game for me? I don't know that it does. Okay, so like. Imagine if Anthem dropped on PS5 instead of PS4. One of the biggest complaints at first was load times. Like, that was, like, killing people emergent from the game. Like, it might have actually shifted the way it was reviewed so poorly. Like, that one Nonsense. detail. Nonsense. That game's still trash. No, the game is definitely still trash, and everyone should go read Marcos's epilogue.com, or epiloggaming.com. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I think it's still right. a pretty big deal. But uh, like you said, Blake, Anthem on the PlayStation Five is bigger. It's it takes it. It's going to take more time to load in. So no, you, no, you literally were talking about the PS4 disc being put into the PS5. Okay, all right, fair enough. But who who cares? Is that that big of a no deal? No one, because no one plays Anthem anymore. All right, okay. So interesting stuff there. Um, I'm going to ask you guys some questions. You didn't even mention the good eight, quote unquote, eight K. Yes. Oh God! Okay, I'll talk about this, even though like I really the, don't think the it passing to by Death Stranding no, no mention. Yeah, come on, two two sins. Okay, so the first thing is eight. <laughs> they, they promise eight K. So just to, to clarify what this means, 
it really means nothing. <laughs> so you yes. mean nothing. Okay, well, hold on a second here. So the Xbox One S promised 4K compatibility, and it does. Technically, you can watch, like, you can stream in 4K, but it doesn't actually play any games at 4K. It, oh. th- there's not a single game that the Xbox One S plays at 4K. I don't think now, I ever knew that. Yeah. I'm Googling this. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's true. So it has 4K capability, what but it doesn't. PS4 Pro? The PS4 Pro checkerboards to 4K. There are some like natively 4K experiences, but um, so well, it's hard too because a lot of the games, I mean, aren't made in. You can watch Netflix on 4K. 4K the PS4 Pro. Well, okay, so the I'm Xbox sure One. There is a difference. The Xbox One X has some 4K stuff, but I'm more just saying that the Xbox One S promised like 4K oh, capability. The S. So, Yes, the S. Sorry, oh, okay. S and X sound similar. But the basically what my point is, is that it can have the capability to do this, and assuredly it will. Will we see any games in 8K? True native 8K. No way. Yes, There's yes, no I shot in hell. I think you you're can't just, just admitting it, Ben. You're way, too, you're way too pessimistic. This is going to happen. There, but there's no... Bloodborne there, 2 will is going to be a PS5 title. It's going to be a native 8K. <laughs> I got it. You're going to run Why would I want a game in 8K when I don't even have an 8K TV? You can't Hold even Hold on. They're only $10,000. Yeah. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm calling it now. First 8K game is a remake of Shadow of the Colossus again. If it's in native 8K, then you have my dollars. <laughs> it, it, but it will not happen. So I'm just gonna happen. again. I'm it's gonna happen. I'm tempering expectations there. I'm I hate. To, I, right I'm now. never this guy. I'm never no, this. You guy. know, you I'll, are I'll always this guy. I will hop on Ben's train. You are always this guy. I'm here to defend Ben and say, you know what? The 8K sounds fake. It does. Fake. It is fake. It is. No. It's fake. No. No. <laughs> have fun watching 8K Netflix, Marcos. On your not 8K I will. TV. I will. I'm gonna, oh, Netflix gonna doesn't even words. stream in 8K. Shut up. Not yet. <laughs> they're going to hear about this shit. They're going to read this wide article and they're going to be like, oh, we need to get on this shit real quick. And they're going to start charging me 20 bucks a month for 8K. Yeah. And I'm going to go like, God damn it. Yeah, I have an 8K TV. Might as well. No, I have an 8K PS4. Might as well. Yeah. Okay. Here's a real question. Do it. Do the 8K video games that they're supposedly going to put out still load in 0.8 seconds? No. Yes. You're gonna it's gonna blow your mind when this thing drops. I really hope so. I really hope so. It's gonna okay. fundamentally change gaming. Then. It's gonna be like 80 pounds heavy. It's gonna be a monster. Bring so, it. So let's get to some of the fundamental questions here. Uh Blake, we'll start with you. Why did Sony announce this so early? Like, what is the benefit to them? Uh, I mean, it's curious for a lot of reasons. Like, why did they announce this? You already asked in terms of, like, an article. Um, Like, that's peculiar. But also, why is it released early? I think that mostly this is kind of to get, like, quiet excitement for it in in anticipation of E3 since they're not going to be there. It it felt kind of normal to have this happen. Like, I I haven't followed the uh, leaks and anticipations and, like, scheduling of consoles in the past. So this is all new to me. I... I don't know I'm, I'm not really like surprised so to speak I'll, I'll be surprised once the actual trailer like or trailer the release of or announcement on stage happens okay Dakota what do you think why did they announce this so early I think uh I mean mostly on the same train path of thought of train, <laughs> path of thought of train. <laughs> uh, as Blake uh I mean announce it before Microsoft you know 
gets before E3, so that way it's like, oh man, what's Microsoft going to show off? Then whatever Microsoft shows off is going to be smelly. And people are like, I, even if it's not bad, but I think you know, whatever what, they show off, yeah. it's going to be compared back to Sony's. And then Sony's going to come back with, I feel like it's almost, Sony shows theirs, Microsoft shows theirs, everyone's like comparing them. Then Sony comes in with whatever the hell they're doing after E3. Yeah. And it's like, wait, no, actually, and they can make any quick changes they need to to make it still sound better than Xbox. Yeah, good point. I think that's probably it too. And basically a, a marketing yeah, pro now. Sony are a bunch of little scumbags. How else are they going to afford 8K resolution on the <laughs> 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 that's really why they're not at e3 can't afford yeah. the 8k <laughs> can't, yeah. can't. they're a bunch of little gremlins man okay all right so i think that about answers that question probably in in all honesty it's just to beat microsoft to the punch right it's to beat microsoft to the punch and then be able to react when microsoft does a more in-depth coverage um okay so just a quick follow-up to that will sony then be the first console to release between them and Microsoft, or will they will they come after the next Xbox? Blake. All right, here's the thing. I don't give a crap about Microsoft. Just give me the PS5. I don't care. Just I hope. Wow. Okay. All right, Marcos. Okay. It. I think it depends on when the Xbox One or whatever Xbox Two, whatever the fuck the next Xbox thing <laughs> is going to be called. If it if the Xbox. The next box is fuck is set for like late 2020. The PS5 will come out before because they'll have time to rush it and some something stupid. But if it's too early, okay. I think it'll. Come All right, out what a, Dakota? Which do you think comes out first? I think Sony. That's why Sony hasn't announced any kind of release date because they're also waiting on if Microsoft will announce a like an official release date at their press conference. Um, so that way they can either get it out before them. Uh, you know, say it's. I feel like it really, uh, you know, hearing all the like their very ambitious goals with this, it doesn't like even 2020 next year sounds too soon. Um, but I think they're gonna wait till Xbox announces, uh, probably inevitably that they're gonna release their console next year, and then it'll be like, oh shit, guess we gotta get it out, boys, and then <laughs> do exactly what Marco said and rush it. If Xbox doesn't announce. Uh, their their release date. I think Sony's just gonna keep playing it hush hush until they do. So that way they can get it out before them, or if not, like within the same week or a week after. Yeah, which tends to be what happened. I I think uh, well, I don't want to spoil our our game that we're gonna play later, but um, uh, so just a a quick follow up to all of that. One, Blake, I, I I really I think this disregard for Microsoft is gonna come back to haunt a lot of people. One. They've been doing a lot of really consumer-friendly things, which is good. We should root for that. Uh, and two, because Microsoft is the loser here. They have been the loser all generation. Like, whether or not we want to acknowledge that, they have objectively been the loser in between Sony and, and Nintendo. Uh, so, historically, the loser has done pretty well in their follow-up. So, if we look at, like, uh, last-gen, Microsoft doing so well with the Xbox 360, came fresh off of Sony doing so well with the PS2, and then, obviously, this generation, the PlayStation 4 over the Xbox One. Companies have a tendency to get a little cocky. So, I mean, 
bring it as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. Microsoft has been fundamentally unimpressive with its software. I know they've acquired a bunch of good studios and so yeah. on, but I just don't care to buy into a, a physical piece of hardware that I don't really have a preference of the games for it. Okay, um, yeah, that's like, fair. Like Sony just entirely wins with its IPs for me, and that's where the loyalty comes from. I am. This is one of those situations where being wrong is going to be exciting for me. So yes. like if yeah. you if you're correct and the Xbox whatever you whatever the hell they are going to call it Xbox. they really screwed themselves. They really their, did, yeah. With the name here. But um but anyway, like if it's better and if it's more exciting and if they develop the software that I just mentioned, then I mean sure, I'll flip sides. Boom. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just good to have competition. Yeah. I think that's the overarching point. Okay. So uh what did this reveal? Let's call it a reveal cuz I guess that's what it is. Uh, Marcos, did it impress you? Yeah. yeah. 8K? 1.8 <laughs> <Point eight> seconds? How <laughs> would I be impressed? Can that be the episode's title, just 8K? Yeah. Uh, Dakota, <laughs> what about you? Did this impress you? Honestly, when I first read it, yes. But now I'm starting to think there's like a conspiracy. Oh, I swayed you a little bit. I swayed you a little bit. But now I think there's not even because Ben, okay, maybe a little. But if you read the article, they say, you know, when they play it, it's just in this like steel metal tower. You can't see any of the components inside. Who knows that they're not just, you know, maybe some of the stuff is real. You know, the SSD, whatever, but... Who's to say that there's even really an 8K thing in there? Because no one would even know if there wasn't. Because it's not like anything can even play 8K. Games aren't even developed in 8K. But, like, what if it's a little bit of a conspiracy? They can say all this, but, like, you can't see what's actually inside. So, like, they could just be bullshitting you. Objection. Okay. We have Objection. a Wizard of Oz situation. Dude, there's, yeah. there are literally YouTube channels devoted to people taking apart game consoles. And what's okay, yeah. Them. But nobody has a PS5. Okay, yeah, okay, but your point seemed to be that the conspiracy is a conspiracy because people aren't going to look inside of it. Well, no, or, it's because of as of right now, you can't see inside of it, and you can't oh. see the parts. Well, okay, shit on them. then you can have your conspiracy. Uh, I, I, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll stay temperate here. I, I don't know that uh, I'm, I'm necessarily impressed. I, one thing I will say is. Good on Sony for releasing this. I love that they gave it to Wired. I love that the only thing we're seeing this in is print. That's a lot of confidence that people are going to go and talk about an article. Like in 2019, that is a lot of confidence. I love it. Um, I, I think that everything they have in regards to the ray tracing and talking about how that extends to audio. And I think getting Mark Cerny in there to talk about it was a really good idea because he's obviously enthusiastic. Um, good. I'm I'm impressed. but. I will say when they start dropping stuff like 8K and 0.8 second load times, like don't buy it. It's not happening. No, it, I'm it's also happening. It, it, don't lie to our don't lie to our listeners, Ben. Come on, it's I'm gonna happen. Also concerned in that you know, depending on when this is released, that you know, I mean, upon release, there's always tons of bugs and issues, but there might be a particular like storm of issues upon the. PS5 release. I can just kind of feel it in my jimmies. Okay. All right. You think they're pushing too hard for 8K and it's going to set I feel upon like, the red ring of death phase two? I think, I mean, not initial at the end. Oh, who knows? But, uh, you know, they have really, really high expectations and I feel like it, I mean, they have been working on it a long time. You don't just, you know, make a console in a year. Um, but 
I feel like it's, you know, with all of like that they're boasting, you know, assuming it's all 100% legit, true and true with everything they're boasting. It is, you know, a little bit nerve wracking because it does. It's almost feels a little, especially how, how long has 8K existed? How long has 4K existed and how long has, you know, that's still very, very new. 8K is still like fresh from the egg. So it's just, it feels like I'm ready that they're going to release it and then it's just going to be a shitstorm. Okay, uh, so with like Dakota, you, with you being a little like uh, a little like me, to sort of tempering our expectations, what else are you then waiting to hear? Like, what can they say at this point where you're like, "Oh yes, I'm on board with that"? Uh, before before it's released. oh, I'm gonna be on board regardless. Well, of course, yeah, of course. Time. So I think we probably all will be. But like, what is it that really makes that next step? So if we're talking about fundamental changes, is there anything that they can say from this point forward, whether it be a specific piece of software or something in regards to the hardware uh like is there anything else they can do to move that meter forward or is it it's just like you're gonna wait Uh, until it releases and figure it out then for me the only thing that i think that would definitely like make me really confident in it is if they do something similar to what like phone companies do and give publishers or you know media people the phone early like what they did with the samsung 10 then of course all these people revealed that the phone sucks because it keeps breaking right uh if they did something similar and it's no bad news bears cool okay any of them yeah which um, won't well, happen they don't do that but well i, I don't know that they wouldn't I, I guess we'll yeah probably not but we'll we'll wait and see marcos blake is there anything from either of you two at this point that's just like you're just waiting on to hear about or are you are you just locked in I mean, I'm already locked in, but if they announce some new, sh- even more, like 16K, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm already locked in. I'm, I got, I'm buckled up. This is going to be a hell of a ride. Okay, Blake. Um, I just want to state for the record that you did not ask me if I was impressed with the PS5. Um, I knew you were. I knew you were. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess it was implied. Yes. But, um, but I've never purchased a console of any variety on the day it was released. I am considering doing so with the PS5. Dude, get ready to drop like six hundred bucks. Okay, well that's let's let's get there. What is going to be the price of the PlayStation Five? Or you ready to pay for that eight K? That sixteen K graphic? How much am I going to have to pay for it, Dakota? How much am I going to have to pay? God, six hundred feels like the lowest it could possibly. I I feel like it might be a solid eight hundred. I think we've talked about this. Wow. Okay. But eight hundred. What? That's the prediction. Eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah, let's roll. Okay, Marcos. 600. Blake? I like the 8K. most. 8K. 8K, SSD, 3D Damn. audio? No, serious answer, though. Um, Didn't Xbox One uh, X release at 500? I, God, I don't know. I think it was 500. I think yeah, it that was, which was yeah. the most expensive a console's ever released. Well, that? the PlayStation 3. No, we figured... What was the PlayStation 3? The PlayStation 3 might have been 599. Yeah, something no. like that. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check this anyway. Continue sure. your prediction. The thought train is that it might be ballparking 500. I know that these specs are way too good to be true, and one of the main things the Wired article mentions is that um, Cerny acknowledges that the price point or like the performance is going to justify or incentivize the price point, so they're going to push a little higher than they used to. But um, I don't know. I would pay upwards of 800 for this. I, okay. I don't. I don't know that I'd be happy about that 800, but I think it's still, there's enough motivation to like in the long term. that's something that's going to last and really, um, that'll be good for a long time. 
though. Yeah, I don't see anything Not wrong. that PlayStations don't already last ages. My dad's had his since, like, it initially came out. Dude, and my PS2 still works. Yeah, the only thing I have that doesn't work anymore is my fat PS3, which coincidentally released at $600. $600. $600. Yeah, I see that. $600. That's one of the reasons it was so slow to get off the ground, is that it wasn't really more popular than... Excuse me. It wasn't... It wasn't more powerful than the Xbox 360, but it still was more expensive. So similarly to how the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Yeah. Um, the Xbox One was $100 more at 500 at release than the PlayStation 4 and less powerful. Imagine being the one who made that decision. So um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and say $600. I think that's probably where we'll see. I, I, I think it actually goes no higher than 700 and no lower than 400 uh, probably no lower than 500. I was going to say no lower than, than six. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. shoot lower than six. Um, did I actually give you a number or did I just give you like a ball? You said 800. You gave us a ballpark between 400 and 800. Let me just land 700 since no one actually claimed that. Let's just put okay. that on the table. All right. Um, I think it'll be a little cheaper. I think the way that they've developed some of these like micro technologies, like uh, Microsoft essentially the hardware they used for the xbox one x would have if you put that into a pc is going to cost like a thousand dollars but they whittled it down till it was like 500 600 whatever it was so yeah uh that's that's where i'll i'll land as well okay so more on the playstation 5 when we hear about it as of right now we probably are going to have to wait a few months i have a feeling we'll be talking about the next xbox soon and probably the next nintendo switch although there's been some rumors been floating around. Nothing, nothing totally confirmed. But uh, we'll when, when we get that confirmation, we'll talk. It's not going to have 4K. <laughs> no, <laughs> not going to have 8K. I just want a bigger switch. I think they've talked. The well, right now the actual thing is the we know they'll get a we're going to get a smaller switch or yeah. at least a switch without the the base. Something to make it less expensive. So we don't know what that is. But you're going to get a GameCube. See, I just want a more powerful switch. Damn it! I think I think we'll get that's that. They, I, thought that's, switch. I thought that's what the like what had been trinkling around was a smaller like made for more portable yeah. people, and then a second more powerful one. Yes, and that one supposedly has been delayed. Be, okay, and the question yeah. was whether the more powerful in my mind would be bigger and also still portable. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, it's bigger. I I still think the name Super Switch is way too good for them to pass up. It's got to be called the Super. They're gonna, they're gonna pass it up, man. I, oh. I guarantee you. They never they call it the big switch. The big. No, switch. Oh, can, the can they call? Can, can they call the small one the Mini Mitch? The mini. Wow. <laughs> Super the Switch and Mini Mitch. Let's play a game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one is from Midnight Tier member Draft Uh This he he's tapping this game called Timeline, or as I like to call it, what year of high school was I in? Uh, as as per the Dakota um, history. So here are the rules. I will give you a name or uh, I, I will give you the name of a handful of consoles or video games. The three of you will attempt to put these games or consoles in the correct order together. So oh, you guys are going to have to like work together. Oh, so this is like a asymmetrical uh, yes. Mario Party. Yes. You're Bowser. So I'm Bowser. Uh, if you get it right, you all earn a point. If you get it wrong, I... The host earned oh, a point. I'm so a lot of pressure here. On Marcos's team for once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to list off some consoles. You're going to have to put them in order. I have five of them for you. The first one is the NES, the Sega Genesis, 
the PlayStation 4, the Atari 2600, the Xbox One. So those are five consoles. Again, the NES, Sega Genesis, PlayStation 4, Atari 2600, and the Xbox One. So I'm going to ask you to put those in order from the oldest to the newest. Let's see if you guys can get it right. Uh, you want to take a, sec- a, a couple minutes to, to get this together? Yeah, we got to collude. Yeah, okay, go <laughs> ahead. Um, okay. I can tell so, you PS4 came out before the Xbox. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, PS4 absolutely. came out before Xbox. So that Did would the Atari mean... 2600 come out before the Xbox? Yes. I'm going to try and t- throw you guys off as best I can. Hey, I mean, you yeah. shut your mouth over there. Just, we can you just sure? mute you. It goes just tell you that much. Uh, the NES and the Atari 2600 are kind of... I don't know where, which one came before those two. Yeah, I, I, I would have no idea. Is the Atari 2600 like a retro thing, or is it like an actually old... It's a system? retro thing. It's like... Okay. If I, a... if I had to guess, I think it was older than the, than the NES. Oh, so it's actually like old. It's not like a PlayStation Classic or whatever? No, no, no. It's an old new console thing. It's like say... we played Adventure and stuff. That Sega Genesis sounds pretty cool. Did it just come out? I would say I Sega Genesis, NES, Atari. I don't know. Don't uh, ask. I wasn't. I wasn't much alive. Later, I feel like the Atari's got to be the oldest in this list because that's the thing that like my mom chose for. You know what? Yeah, my dad did play Atari. All right, let's let's uh, get an order from you guys. Hold on, we we we're almost done. We're what, what do we think about the Sega Genesis with relation to Nintendo? What is, which one came out first? After the NES. Oh, it, Genesis is after NES. Don't worry. Okay. So if that's the case, so then it sounds Atari? like... So Atari's got to be the oldest, I'm thinking. Okay. Atari, NES, Genesis, PS4, Expo. Yeah. Is that your I, final answer? I'm yes. comfortable with that. You guys are right. Congrats on your first... Your first win for Timeline. Yeah. No, uh, well played. I will award all of you a point. I am now... We're now in a four-way tie after the first episode. No? Season three. Yeah. Didn't you get a point from the first one? I did. Yeah, that's and the you guys all tie. just got a oh, point. Oh, 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 I can't math. <laughs> you oh. really can't math. We're really dealing with just one. It's basic. <laughs> one point. <laughs> hey, dude, I, I, I struggle. I'm an English man. <laughs> okay. Um, so that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for the wait. We really apologize. We wanted to take some time to make this a better podcast for you guys. And uh, hopefully this is the start of that. Let's talk about where people can find us. If you're working on anything in regards to Epilogue Gaming, let us know about that. We'll start with Dakota. Uh, where can people find you and if you're working on anything? On Twitter, at Spygina. And always just on that spoiler cast grind now. Yeah, so the, the first episode is publicly going to be released the 15th. It's currently on Patreon. Uh, and I think the next episode will be released the next 15th. So... Just like the Ludo Narrative podcast, it'll be a monthly thing. Um, Rip. You guys feel a little <laughs> Well, Blake, uh, tell people what you're up to. Uh, so the Ludo podcast is in a weird state right now for a lot of reasons, but I'm still working on it. Um, so I don't have a release date for you all, but as soon as we do get one, it will be the first of whatever month. Um, in the meantime, I'm still writing articles as usual, streaming, all that stuff. You can catch me on Twitter at Ludo Narrative FM or on Twitch at Ludo FM. And as soon as I'm done with the podcast today, I will be publishing a in-depth 3,200-word uh, review on the new episode of Life is Strange 2 that just released yesterday called Wastelands. So catch an eye out for that. 
Uh, yo, I'm Argos Carmona. You can find me on Twitter at TwinkiePie37. I'm the cute one. I'm currently working on being the best Puyo Puyo champion of the world. Um, <laughs> I watched that last night. Yeah, yeah. A love-hate um, relationship. With I am me. only a Puyo Puyo streamer now, 100%. Yes. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Benjamin10. I just played through Ocarina of Time Master Quest. I'm starting Kingdom Hearts 3 next week. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I'm working on a couple different articles, but and I, as well as a video, we now produce video content. You can find us at Epilogue Gaming TV. Uh, what is, is our YouTube Epilogue Gaming? I think it's Epilogue Gaming TV. I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and you can also find us at Epilogue Gaming TV on Twitch now. We've been doing about a stream or two a week. Uh, the After Dark guys, which includes Marcos. So if you really like Marcos, you can uh, find him there. They just played a game of Monopoly. Actually, two games of Monopoly in which Marcos won both. I'm surprised you didn't talk about that. I really thought you I were won the first that. one and Drath cheated the second Oh, Drath won the second one. Okay. So, yeah, and, I, I, I won both, but Drath is a dirty cheater and doesn't. Oh, cheat. got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening. For Blake, Dakota, and Marcos, I'm Ben Vollmer. We will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening.